Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Life Science Rundown. This is Nicholas Kampman with the FDA Group. Before we jump into our discussion for today, just a little bit about the FDA Group. We help life science companies in the areas of quality assurance, regulatory affairs, clinical operations, commissioning, qualification, and validation, as well as manufacturing and engineering. We offer three different engagement models, which are consulting projects, staff augmentation, and full-time employee recruitment. So if you ever find yourself in need, just head over to the fdagroup.com to check us out and get in touch. So today I'm gonna to be uh, reviewing an article that was written by Zachary Brennan, senior editor at Endpoint News. Um, and it was a pretty um, interesting article. Um, the Chiron says, FDA's domestic biopharma inspections return to normal as the agency faces backlog of 8,000 plus. So it begins, for the first time since March 2020, the FDA's inspections of US-based biopharmacites have returned to normal. FDA Acting Commissioner Janet Woodcock said Monday at a small business regulatory event. Uh, she's quoted, I'm pleased to say that as of this month, we've begun transitioning back to standard operations for domestic inspections while continuing to prioritize mission critical work for foreign inspections. Uh, it says the return to normalcy will be welcomed by industry, which has grappled with a growing backlog of mostly surveillance inspections, although some of those delayed inspections uh, have also delayed the approval of new drugs. According to a report from FDA in May, an estimated 68 applications, 48 of which were for human drugs, have been delayed due to FDA's inability to conduct pre-approval, pre-market, or pre-license inspections as of March. The agency said that it postponed nearly 8,000 non-mission critical surveillance inspections in 2020 due to the pandemic. Surveillance inspections are routine inspections that monitor conformance to FDA's requirements to identify quality problems and adverse trends, but unlike others, they're planned in advance by applying established risk factors and statutory inspection frequency mandates. Um, so it says, quote, FDA estimates that roughly 14% of the 15,000 plus domestic surveillance inspections still to be conducted in fiscal year 2021 will be achieved in the base case scenario. The report says, noting that about 3,200 of these 15,000 plus inspections are related to human and animal drugs while the rest are related to, um, uh, it says they are related to human and animal drugs. Okay. So it says, and in terms of for cause inspections, many uh, meaning inspections where there are consumer complaints or reports of adverse events, the FDA had to skip eight of those inspections in fiscal year 2020. As far as how the agency is working around uh, the rising cases of COVID-19 um, cases in certain hotspots across the country, FDA revealed earlier this month that it developed a rating system to assist in determining when and where it's safest to conduct domestic inspections. Uh, so this rating system, which FDA said it may suspend through September as it resumes standard operations, uses real-time data to qualitatively assess the number of COVID-19 cases in a local area based on state and national data. FDA shared that data 
with state agencies that carry out inspections of FDA regulated entities on the agency's behalf under contract. Uh, it says FDA also previously said that for the foreseeable future, prioritized domestic inspections will be pre-announced to FDA regulated businesses. Woodcock did not announce any change to that policy. On the foreign inspection side where Congress had been particularly pointed with the agency, FDA's Associate Commissioner for Regulatory Affairs told an Alliance for a Stronger FDA webinar last week that the agency has struggled. It says, quote, we have successfully conducted about 30 foreign inspections that were mission critical. Going and conducting these foreign inspections during the pandemic, it hasn't been without tremendous efforts to mitigate risk to our investigators, she said. It continues, you have to remember, there were many months before we had uh, a vaccine and so our investigators were going out traveling to foreign countries and then entailed in a tremendous fortitude on behalf of our investigators. Many had to quarantine upon arrival in a country for 10 to 14 days in military housing or in their hotel room. Some cases they were not able to really move around freely. Um, so it continues. Our investigators conducted about 26 clinical research in, uh, facility inspections before the advisory committee meetings and before we had authorized vaccines. So in just four weeks, we completed all of those inspections with a team of more than 50 investigators. So how did we do this? We collaborated with our centers. We collaborate with the Centers for Biologics. We planned out the inspections and timelines in advance of the inspection assignments. We generally send in one investigator to the facility for clinical research inspections. In these cases, we send in two so that we could ensure the accuracy, reliability, and the data in the shortest amount of time. So we also implemented the use of portable projectors to review the documents in a socially distanced manner. So the article continues, following Woodcock's comments, FDA Center Directors Jeff Shuren for devices, Patrizia Cavazzoni for drugs, and Peter Marks for biologics, also offered their perspectives on what COVID-related provisions may carry over to the post-COVID FDA. Sharon stressed the need for faster guidance development, noting that some COVID-related guidance documents were developed in only days or weeks, and he'd like to see that expedited approach to carry over beyond the pandemic. Marx and Cavazzoni concurred, and Cavazzoni mentioned the need to build off FDA's accumulated experience with decentralized clinical trials during COVID-19 and the use of alternative approaches such as remote evaluations to inspecting manufacturing and clinical trial facilities. The article ends, as far as when the EUA pathway may close for sponsors, Sharon said he didn't think it would happen anytime soon. And he noted that there will be an ample transition period as well as guidance on that transition. Mark said that the EUA transition period for vaccines may look complicated as there may be some pediatric indications still under EUAs for vaccines that have won full approval. He stressed that the idea is to minimize anything that creates confusion and decreases trust. So big takeaway is uh, obviously the FDA is going to be um, increasing the number of domestic inspections so um, 
that is certainly something that we should all be aware of and plan for. Um, as always, if you find conversations like these valuable, please share it with a colleague or your professional network if you haven't already. Subscribe to get updates of new episodes at thefdagroup.com slash podcast and follow the FDA Group on LinkedIn. If you'd like to connect about project or resource needs, head over to thefdagroup.com to get in touch or feel free to connect with me personally on LinkedIn. Thanks so much for tuning in and I will see you next time.